Welcome to the Growth Mindset Gal podcast with your host, me, Allie Brooke. I help the everyday woman grow her mindset and spirituality in her daily life in order to break comparison to the Instagram perfect lifestyle. Join me as we navigate the stress and anxiety of our daily routines and reclaim our power to cultivate our most authentic life. Let's start romanticizing the mundane together. Hi, guys, and welcome back to the Growth Mindset Gal podcast with your host, me, Allie Brooke. Happy Mindful Monday, everyone. I'm currently recording actually on a Monday because I am off for spring break. I've been off since Thursday. I'm off all this week, and then we go back the following Monday. I believe it's the 17th. Let me check my calendar. Yep, the 17th is when I go back to work. So it's a nice, well-deserved <laughs> spring break let me tell you i have been definitely taking spring break to recharge and you know spend some time with myself and some solitude hang out with friends and family all of those wonderful things so if you're on your holiday break whether you have a maybe a long weekend or perhaps you also had a spring break but it was the week before and it's kind of coming <laughs> to a close today i hope you guys enjoyed the holiday time with whatever holiday you guys are celebrating with your friends and families and loved ones. I hope you are enjoying it. I hope that you took the time off to really take time and be mindful with yourself and setting maybe some goals, setting some boundaries, clarifying what you want, trying to problem solve, help with your maybe overthinking process, helping with your anxiety, definitely talking to a therapist if that's what you go to one, right? Taking time for ourselves when we have the time to definitely enrich ourselves. I also use holiday breaks um, to also go to doctors, right? Physicals and things like that just to catch up because as a teacher, that's the only time I really have time to go <laughs> and get checkups and things like that. So whatever way you spend the time to take care of yourself in one way, shape or form, I hope that you enjoyed it. I hope that it felt good to take time to recharge and kind of step away from work mode because I know for a lot of us, most of the time, we are in work mode. Like whatever job that we have, we are in the personality of our work, our professional personality, if you will. So that's why I really look forward to any breaks that I have is because I get to spend time with just Allie again, which is definitely nice to connect with her rather than being in Miss Romanello mode, you know, all the time. So I'm here. I'm sitting with you guys. It's a beautiful sunny morning here in New York. I have my iced coffee ready to go. And I have the book that I'm going to be referencing today right next to me. Page is open. We're ready to go. So we are going to be hopping into the episode. So thank you guys so, so much for listening. Thank you for subscribing, following, reviewing. If you haven't already done so, it would mean the world to me if you left a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Also, don't think I forgot, I have been doing some content creation. It's kind of been a little all over the place because I've been taking time to hang out with friends and family since I've been off, like literally since I've been home. <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> since I've been home, from Thursday, I've been going out to dinner. I have been going to hockey games. And then we had obviously like our holiday celebrations. So 
I've been kind of pouring into that part of my life. And so now that it's all kind of calmed down, I'm here for the content creation. I'm here (laughs) recording a podcast for you guys. This week, I'm going to be working on the uh, mindset guidebook. I'm creating it on Canva. Um, and it's going to be completely free for you guys. So look out towards the end of April because I really want to make sure it's perfect for you guys. Even though I know it's free, I still like you know, whatever products that I create are to the liking and I know that it's going to be helping you guys. So I'm going to be working on the mindset guidebook. I'm working on content creation for my Instagram at the growth mindset gal. I know I've definitely fallen behind, but like I said, life gets crazy and that's okay. Now I have the time to hop back into it and be, you know, more a hundred percent with you guys with content, the podcast, the guidebook and things like that. So I'm really excited to spend the free time that I have to dive into everything that has to do with the podcast and the growth mindset gal. So thank you guys again so much for listening. Thank you for all the support. Thank you for listening and sharing with me how it helps you. So if you haven't already done so, follow me on Instagram at the growth mindset gal. That's my major hub. Um, Follow me on Spotify subscribe rate and review on apple Podcasts. that's how this community this beautiful community that we built together is going to grow and i'm really excited to dive into today's episode so let's let's get to it hey growth mindset gang have you ever been super overwhelmed anxious or stressed in your life due to maybe your job, your relationships, your friendships, your family, and you have all this inner turmoil and it can seem like there is no way out. I felt that way. I remember when I was on the train to work one day and I had this super influx of anxiety and I didn't even know where it was coming from. And I would talk to my friends and family and significant others about it, but I needed something more. I needed to talk to a professional. And so I started going to therapy because I realized I shouldn't live like this and neither should you. So today's sponsor is brought to you by BetterHelp, which is here to help you. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help you. Talk to your therapist in a private online environment at your convenience. There is a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's 20,000 plus therapist network that gives you the access to the help that may not be available in your area. You just need to fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs and then you get matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. That is two days, you guys. Then you schedule a secure video and phone sessions. Plus you can exchange unlimited messages and everything you share is completely confidential. I actually used BetterHelp when I started my therapy journey. It was one of the first options I looked at because I felt like I was so busy all the time. When would I have time to go to find a therapist and then go to therapy? And I remember I took a very simple questionnaire and they matched me with a therapist. She was super helpful and useful. And I was able to text her whenever I was feeling anxious. And I was like, this is amazing. Right? And I know therapy can be a little intimidating at first. And it kind of feels like dating. And you kind of go through the different aspects and motions of it. But with BetterHelp, if you're not feeling the therapist that they gave you, they will switch it up and find someone better for you. So it takes the stress from you with finding a therapist that works. 
and you can request a new therapist at no additional charge at any time. So join the 2 million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. And let me tell you, from my own experience with therapy, it is so amazing to talk to a professional about your anxiety and have them kind of go through specific scenarios and conversations with you so you don't feel alone. And they give you helpful tools in order to take on and combat your overwhelm, your anxiety, and your stress. Because you guys know, we shouldn't be living like this and we shouldn't be living stuck in our own heads and we should enjoy life. And talking to a professional can definitely help with us to switch our perspective and grow our mindset. You can get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash the growth mindset gal. That's betterhelp.com slash the growth mindset gal. That link is going to be in my show notes. And if you're interested in therapy, this would be a beautiful, wonderful first step to see if this can work for you. And I hope you guys enjoy these services that it provides. And I hope that it helps you in your mindset journey. All right, friends. So here we go. I am currently in the midst of reading this amazing book. It's called The Perfectionist's Guide to Losing Control, A Path to Peace and Power by Katherine Morgan Schaeffler. I am <clears throat> literally obsessed. Like her book, like from the beginning, completely stood out to me it's like just the cover alone it was pink and i was like whoa (laughs) i love it let me read it um and i actually found this on instagram i follow so many like book um instagrams that say like all the different types of great books for like mindset and leadership and things like that so i'm like halfway through the book right now and it's amazing because i thought it would be really helpful because i know a lot of us who are listening are struggling with perfectionism as as a mime. I am a perfectionist, people pleaser. And the beautiful spin with this book, and I'm going to do like a, another episode strictly on perfectionism with this book at another time. I'm going to be talking about something else today. Um, but it talks about how we are taught that perfectionism is like a bad thing. And I even remember my own like therapy experience. I remember Nicole saying, do you think like you're a perfectionist and I never thought of myself that way until therapy I just like that things were done correctly and you listen to the rules and you do what you're supposed to I mean that's what makes you a good person is that you do the right thing and you know you always try your best or whatever that it is and so but then we learn in adulthood that apparently being a perfectionist is a bad thing um and this new wave of mindfulness is really taking apart perfectionism where there's just like with anxiety which i learned from my therapist as well there's a little bit of not i don't want to even say good but kind of helpful things when your anxiety and your perfectionism are at like a two right because it really helps with your work ethic your drive your motivation um 
but once it gets to um like a 10 and it's burning you out and really taking over your life both anxiety and perfectionism that's when it gets to a dark place right so i like how this book talks about how perfectionism is actually a superpower where we need to understand though there's good and bad parts of perfectionism just like there's well not like i said good but helpful and unhelpful parts of anxiety and so i want to talk about today from this book it's about counterfactual thinking and it's a cognitive reflex and i want to talk about how when we use counterfactual thinking it really takes over our thoughts and leads to us overthinking so let me read let me read a page from her book real quick just to kind of tell you what is counterfactual thinking Counterfactual thinking is when your brain creates alternative scenarios for events that have already taken place. For example, let's say you're driving through an intersection while another driver runs a red light and crashes directly into your car. You spin out and another car hits you. 10 seconds have passed and the car accident is over. You're terribly shaken, but you don't sustain any injuries. You walk away with minor scratches. The fact is that you were in a car accident and you walked away uninjured. A counterfactual thought, a thought that counters the fact, might be, I could have died. When the alternate scenario you conjure up is more appealing than the reality, that's called an upward counterfactual thought. If only I would have left work early, I would have been, I wouldn't have been in an accident. When an alternate scenario you conjure up is less appealing than the reality, that's a downward counterfactual thought. I could have died in that accident counterfactual thinking is something we all engage in it's a cognitive reflex according to research we revert to counterfactual thinking to help us prepare for the future as well as regulate our mood and behaviors thinking about how things could be worse for example helps us increase our gratitude for our current situation our newfound gratitude serves as an important mood repairing function after a negative event i could have died Thank God I'm alive. We're able to make ourselves feel better after a distressing event because our brains have the cognitive power to process the unfolding of an alternate reality. That power is counterfactual thinking. In some cases, upward counterfactuals can also improve your mood and help us regulate our behavior, particularly when it comes to performance. So, and then it goes into talking like sports and things like that. So that's what I want to talk about is counterfactual thinking, where when we go through things that already happen, our brain can split into two, upward counterfactual thinking, right, or downward counterfactual thinking, where that's where we get lost in our overthinking. So for example, let's say you, you took a test today, right? You took the test and you think you did pretty good. You're like, and so the upward counterfactual is, oh, you know, thank God I really, I studied hard for that test, right? Like, because you realize how hard it was. Like, thank God I took the time to study hard for that test. The downward counterfactual overthinking is you took the test, now it's over and you're like, wow, I really should have taken this test more seriously. I'm so stupid. I should have studied harder, right? That's where we go into like the downward spiral. And so that's what causes us a lot of it to overthink. That's where a lot of our overthinking is, is an event happened, it's in the past, right? And now we're like, oh, thank God I did this because it turned out great. 
or too bad I didn't do what I was supposed to do, right? So it's really important to understand that's a brain's natural reflex. Like you're not, a little sip of the iced coffee. That's not like a, an, a weird thing, right? We all do it. It's a cognitive, right? It's a thinking reflex that we do for our brain because our brain's always trying to protect us. Like number one, our brain is constantly in having us survive. It always wants us to live, right? So our brain creates these alternate realities to either prepare us for the future, and that's where a lot of anxiety comes from, right? Or it kind of leads us into, oh, I should have done that better. Now, counterfactual thinking, again, just like perfectionism, isn't all a bad thing. When you counterfactual, especially upward being like, oh, like, good thing I did that, so I was prepared for this, right? Your, your brain's acknowledging the good decision or the good habit that you did, so then you do it again. Where downward counterfactual thinking is not actually considerably like terrible for you because then it also prepares you for the future of you saying, okay, so when the next test happens, I need to make sure that I study harder. So here's another example. For example, the following upward counterfactual thoughts are not beneficial, okay? So both upward and downward can be beneficial and not beneficial. We have to decipher between the two, okay? I could have won the game. This upward counterfactual isn't beneficial because it doesn't focus on a specific alteration. It has, to, it has no specificity. If only I would have left early, I would have not been in the car accident. This upward counterfactual isn't beneficial because regardless of the time you leave work, you don't have control or whether the car crashes into you while you're driving. While it may be true that you wouldn't have been in the accident had you left work earlier that day, the causal inference you're grafting over your degree of personal agency is not correct. You didn't cause the accident because you left work on time, nor can you prevent future accidents from leaving work early. You're pretending you had control so that you can pretend that you have control in the future. The car accident was a random event that is unlikely to repeat, thus renders upward counterfactual thinking as more likely to do harm than good in that scenario. Upward counterfactuals also serve as a preparative function. You go hiking and your feet are freezing the entire time. You keep thinking, if only I would have worn warmer socks. Guess who's bringing warmer socks next time? Counterfactuals can be problem-based or character-based. Problem-based. If only I had more ways to adjust for the higher production costs, I could have maintained the profit margin. Character-based. If only I weren't such an idiot, I could have maintained the profit margins. Okay? So with your upward and downward counterfactuals okay it's also problem-based and character-based problem-based you look at the event that happened from you problem solving okay so for example when you go hiking your feet are freezing the whole time you say okay next time i'm gonna bring warmer socks that's what i'm gonna do that's gonna be the the, the thing that i fix Character-based counterfactual thinking is, wow, I'm so stupid. I'm so dumb. I'm going on a hike. 
how am I so stupid that I couldn't wear warm socks? Like I should have checked the weather. I'm such an idiot, right? Because you're basing the events on you as a person and not just the event objectively in itself, okay? And that's where all the overthinking comes into play, okay? And like I said, thinking about what you did both negatively and positively, right? Upward or downward is not bad because you always need to self-assess when you have um, something happen to you, right? Because when people say, oh, don't worry about it, get over it. It's a very blanket coffee. (laughs) It's a very blanket statement. It's almost a little bit of gaslighting where it's just that toxic positivity of, oh, you went through that okay, just put a smile on and get over it. You'll get past it. Where it's, it is important to self-reflect. And when you upward and or downward counterfactual thinking, you do self-assess. So it's not necessarily a terrible thing. You have to be careful though, of when you get stuck in the overthinking of the constant counterfactual. Oh, well, if I have done this, it would have been like this. If it would have done that, it would have been here. And then you go into that spiral. That's where it gets, you know, a little wiry, a little wiry, and you need to remember to be specific, okay, when you're doing your counterfactual, whether it's upward or downward. So, because if you're not specific when you are kind of self assessing yourself with counterfactual thoughts, that's where you get lost in the spiral of you just go, wow, I'm just so stupid. If like you, if you fail the test that you take and you're just like, wow, I'm just so stupid. Like, how did I not know any of this? Like, why, why am I so bad at taking tests? Where instead you can be like, wow, this is downward counterfactual thinking, right? Wow. I really made a mistake of not studying for that test. So next time I need to make sure I study better for that test, right? You self-reflected, And then you made a decision of what am I going to do next for the next assessment that I have coming up? And then the self-assessment and the reflection, you can move on and stop the spiral of overthinking. Where if you just say that you're dumb, you don't get it, you're not going to make any improvements, right? And then you just self-sabotage. So you got to make sure if you're going to self-reflect with counterfactuals, make sure you're being specific. So here's a little bit more of an insight from her book. Questions that increase awareness of your counterfactual thought patterns include the following. Is it counterfactual? Is it upward or downward? Is it general or specific? Is it based on a random event that isn't likely to occur again or based on repeating dynamic over again for your personal agency? Is it additive or subtractive? Is it problem-based or is it character-based? Is it atomic or elaborative? Easy to imagine happening or difficult to imagine happening? Is it spearing compassionate self-talk or punitive self-talk? So when you're having these reflective counter factual thoughts, you got to make sure that you're using it effectively and not negatively. Okay. And you got to make sure that you're using self-compassion with these reflective thoughts and not being negative towards yourself. Like for example, being negative towards yourself when you're kind of self-reflecting and counterfactual thinking, 
you saying, oh, I'm so stupid. How can I not understand anything on that test? I'm such an idiot, right? That is negative, punitive self-talk, self-sabotage, where when you make the mistake of not studying for a test and you're like, you know what? I definitely should have studied harder for this test, but I had a real busy week and I kind of got lost in it. I didn't prepare for it. And so for next time, now I know I'm going to study harder for the next upcoming assessment that I have, right? Everyone makes mistakes. I should have studied harder. I know better. Now I'm going to do better, right? And realizing, okay, why didn't I study a lot? Well, I didn't study a lot because I did have a busy week and I had a lot of things on my plate. And that happens. This test is not going to make or break me. I just have to do better on the next test. That is counterfactual thinking, right? You're reflecting on the scenario. Because again, counterfactual thinking is when your brain goes into like the alternate scenario. If I would have done this, this wouldn't have happened. Or if I've done this, this would have happened, right? Your brain kind of splits because it's trying to prepare you for the next event. But the thing is, like the book talked about, is it though a random event that's only going to happen one time? Or is it a habit that maybe we should pay more attention to? Like, for example, the car accident that you lived, you didn't have a lot of injuries, right? Thank God. Only your car really had damages. And then if you're like, well, if I would have left work early, I would have gotten to that car accident. Are you sure? Because car accidents can happen whenever. It doesn't matter when you left work, right? Is that really going to solve your problem of the car accident? Oh, I should have left work early. No. Because car accidents are very random events. You taking a test, you know when the test is. You've known for probably either a few weeks now. You know that test is coming up. So you had time to sit and prepare for it. With a car accident, though, unfortunately, many of the times it's a random event and nothing you could have done could have prevented it, right? So when you're doing your counterfactual reflections, you have to realize that some events are just really random and you kind of just did the best you could in the moment for what happened. And you can't really waste your time thinking of other scenarios that could have happened when it's a random event. When it's a pattern or habitual event of, you know, going to work and doing work tasks or taking tests or hanging out with people, right? You know, those things are coming up. So when the event passes, you do have the time to reflect on that specific event. What can I maybe do better next time if something went awry that you weren't expecting? But random things that happen to you, like getting into a car accident or perhaps like your train running late to work, like you couldn't, you, you did everything right. You got ready, you caught the train on time, you were on time, it was the train's fault. And it doesn't happen a lot. You couldn't do anything to prevent it. Like, I think two weeks ago, my train like passed my station because there was track issues. So I was going to be late for work. I mean, there's nothing I could have done, right? To switch, you know, when your brain goes into that split reality of, oh, I could have done this. I should have done this. I couldn't do anything to really prevent the train from running late. That's not my fault. I caught the train on time. I did what I was supposed to do, right? So when you go into the self-reflection make sure you understand that what you're self-reflecting on is something that you actually can do something about if you wanted to do something about it 
Okay. Also counterfactual thoughts can be additive or subtractive. And so let me go into an example of that. Okay. In the book, it states counterfactuals can also be additive. You think about adding something to the scenario to improve it or subtractive. You think about taking away something from the scenario to improve it. Subtractive thoughts yield only one solution, which is to remove X. Additive thoughts rely on creating problem solving, which is better approached because it yields a greater number of possible solutions, increasing both personal agency and motivation, which operate in tandem. Note the following subtractive counterfactual thought underlined below. So this is an example. Using punitive self-talk and not being compassionate towards yourself. If only I hadn't made that impulsive comment in the meeting, I could have been assigned the lead. I need to stop talking in meetings. That's subtractive. I need to stop doing something. I need to stop talking in meetings. I always say the wrong thing. When, I, when am I going to learn to shut up in meetings, right? So that is punitive self-talk, right? Self-sabotage. And you're trying to find the solution of, I need to stop talking in meetings so I stop embarrassing myself. Here's an example of additive counterfactual thoughts using self-compassion. Here's the same scenario. If only I hadn't made that impulsive comment in the meeting, I could have been assigned the lead. From now on, I could come to meetings with a specific question or comment in mind, or maybe email my thoughts to the team after the meeting, when I've had some time to process whether commenting could be useful. I don't always say the right thing at the right time, but everyone has that problem. Ugh, I'm so embarrassed. This is such a terrible feeling. What can I do for myself that would help me get through this moment? Oh, I'll text Lisa about it. She always makes me laugh. Maybe I'll stop by the grocery store after work and cook myself my favorite dinner tonight. I'll put on some music when I get home too. That'll be good. Tomorrow's a new day. It's going to be all right. You see the difference? You see the difference of you are additive, counterfactual, right? From now on, this is what I'm going to do better, right? And you're using self-compassion. Everyone makes mistakes, okay? I shouldn't have done that, right? So you hold yourself accountable, right? You're not just being like, oh, well, people are just mean and they, you know. No, you recognize that maybe you say things at the wrong time and that's okay. People do that. For next time, instead of blurting something out, you know, email the team afterwards or come with one comment or question of mine, like come prepared, right, to the meeting. And then, yeah, it's okay. I made a mistake that happens. I'm not a bad person. And how can I make myself feel better? Because when you blurt out something in a meeting that is not productive and man, that's, it's embarrassing, right? So then your brain automatically goes into protection mode. How can you protect yourself? And it can go to negative, self-punitive, self-sabotage, or you can do additive self-compassion, counterfactual thinking, right? And it, that one, the self-punitive was definitely character-based. Like I say things impulsively. I always say things at the wrong time. I'm so stupid. I'm just going to stop talking at meetings where the second example is additive. It's using self-compassion. It's using your creative problem solving of, okay, I'm not an idiot, right? I am going to make sure I'm more prepared for the meeting so I don't impulsively call out something that's inappropriate. So that way I can still 
you know, participate in the meeting and, you know, that way you can increase the problem solving and you can improve what's going on. Okay. So when we get into subtractive, oh, if I take away this, that will solve my problem. You get very stuck and you get stuck in ruminating thoughts of, okay, I just need to stop talking in meetings because I'm so stupid. And I always say the wrong thing. And then now every time you go to meetings, you feel anxious, right? Because you're like, oh, can't talk in this meeting. Oh, remember what I did last time at this last meeting? I said something so stupid at this meeting. Oh, like this is so embarrassing. Everyone probably remembers it right? So then you get stuck in this ruminating thought where when you counterfactual upwardly and additive using self-compassion, yeah, I made a mistake last time. That's okay. Everyone makes mistakes. I now have on my, you know, iPad, I have two questions I want to ask. I have one comment I want to make about the meeting. Or if anything, if maybe that's too soon, in that scenario, you just, after the meeting say, hey, these were some questions I had, um, now that I thought about it after the meeting, these are some questions that came up for me. Do you mind answering them? And then maybe next time you go into the meeting, now that you felt better, maybe next time you come in prepared with your little notepad and be like, hey, this is something I want to bring up because sometimes you know you can be a little bit impulsive. And that's okay. People are impulsive. There's nothing. That is a human characteristic that people have. And you accept that. Okay. And then that day when you made the mistake, you made sure that you made yourself feel better. So you didn't ruminate in the embarrassing negative self-talk. That's also an important thing. When you make a mistake, it's your job to make sure that you make yourself feel better. I make mistakes all the time. And there are days where I like, I'm like, you know what? I had a rough day. I made some mistakes. What am I going to do? Like, let's say I had um, you know, I taught a class and it was just, just not a good lesson <laughs> that happens. So what do I do to make myself feel better in, in the moment? If I have like, you know, a prep period afterwards, I close my door. I, you know, turn off the lights. So it's just like sunlight. I put my AirPods in, I listen to a podcast or I listen to like, you know, lo-fi music. And I just kind of sit there and I do very passive things. Like if I can just grade, you know, homework real quick. So I kind of, I calm myself down and I just get in the zone of grading because it's passive. It's very easy to do, right? Like I don't like lesson plan after a bad lesson or like make copies or anything like that. I stay in my room and I do things in my room. Maybe I need to, you know, um, redo like the bulletin board and hang something else up that's very passive i'm just hanging things up so that way i'm able to calm down and relax and be reflective because if i'm lesson planning if i'm making copies like that's where i'm at and it can be very frantic so i make sure i'm like you know what that wasn't the best lesson um, I could have spent more time explaining something. Okay, so when the next class comes in, because usually there's another class coming in right after my prep, the next class that I teach, I'm going to make sure I spend more time going over the mini lesson. I'm going to write the instructions on the board, not just be verbal. Okay, I'm going to put a timer on the board so they know how much time that they have. And... Um, but what I'm going to do that well that I did well the last time is I had a lot of patience, right? So I'm going to keep the same patience I had with the other class. I'm just going to make sure I go over the mini lesson in more depth and I write the instructions on the board and I give them, I keep them on a timer. So it's like more structured, right? That is additive. 
right? I was self-compassionate. Everyone has bad lessons. I listened to something that made me feel better. And then I move on with my life, right? And I don't stay ruminated because what old Allie before the growth used to do is old Allie would sit at her desk and ruminate in those thoughts. I'm such a terrible teacher. I don't know what I'm doing. Like go into that catastrophe mode as our, us perfectionists tend to do. We go catastrophizing everything of, oh, that was a bad lesson. You're a terrible teacher. You're going to get fired. Your students hate you. Why are you even here? You don't deserve to be here. At, you know, and I sit there and I would ruminate at my desk and I would cry and I would get frustrated. Is that helping anyone? Is you ruminating in your thoughts over your mistakes? Is that going to help anybody? Right? So it's so important to make sure that when you do think about things that happen or think about things that may or may not happen, we don't go into that overthinking mode, okay? Our brain is gonna go into the counterfactual, the two realities. Upward is, I, from now on, I'm gonna do this. Downward is, oh, I should have done that, right? You either do it problem-based, where you're objective to what happened, or it's character-based, where you think you were the problem in the situation, okay? It's subtractive or additive. I need to not, I need to stop doing something or from now on, this is what I'm going to do instead. So that way you make sure that you don't go into this overthinking spiral, okay? And I know us perfectionists, we have people-pleasing tendencies. We have anxious thoughts, right? Because we want to present everything as beautiful and perfect. And I get that, you know, having things to a high standard is a good um, attribute to have, right? You, you like working hard and you like being a good person and doing the right thing and everything going well. But the thing is, life and us, we are not perfect. So it's okay that mistakes happen. How are we going to grow and reflect from those mistakes and move on and do better instead of ruminating in the negative self-talk. Okay, you guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'm going to be linking the book in the show notes. So if you're interested in buying it, I mean, I got it off at Amazon and it's such a great read. It's such a beautiful um, perspective on people that have perfectionism. It goes over all the different types of perfectionists. There's not just one. I'm going to be going over more perfectionism in a, in a future episode once I like completely finish the book. It's a great read. I love it. I highly recommend it. Again, that'll be in the show notes. So thank you so much for listening. If you can, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Follow me on Spotify. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend who will need it or share it on your story and tag me in it. Let me know how it impacted you. And I hope you guys enjoy your wonderful Mindful Monday. And remember, grow your mindset and look how far you'll go. I'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Growth Mindset Gang, I have an amazing offer to share with you. I have recently created a mindset coaching program. Now, if you're listening and you struggle with imposter syndrome, people pleasing, overthinking, needing external validation, low self-esteem, indecisiveness, perfectionism, fear of failure, or lack of confidence, this coaching program can be aligned and serve you. 
with this coaching program, you would sign up with me for three months to receive one-on-one coaching via Zoom. We would meet either weekly or bi-weekly for 45 minutes to about an hour and really get clear on your mindset journey and what's the woman or who's the woman you want to become. Along with the weekly or bi-weekly Zoom calls with me, you would have a daily accountability messaging with me via Slack. So I do my daily check-ins with you and see how you're doing with your progress in between our sessions. You will also have access to the resource library that I will create where I will give you journal prompts. I will give you weekly self-reflection templates. I'll give you even book recommendations or we do a little mini book club together with a self-development book. Also, I'm going to be creating a Facebook group to also grow a community in this mindset coaching program. And if this feels aligned with you, you can also receive a huge investment discount if you are the first three to sign up with the three-month coaching program. If you are interested in this coaching program, you feel aligned, or you just want to talk to me and test it out and see if it works for you, you can click the link in my show notes to fill out a Google form to share with me what you want to work on and who's the woman that you want to become. How do you want to grow your mindset and fulfill and improve your mindset journey? And I will contact you. We hop on a discovery call for an hour and we talk about what are you struggling with right now? right? Where do you want to see yourself in three months? And I create a unique program just for you. And I'm here to be your coach, your supporter, and help you in your journey. So if this sounds amazing with you, or you just want to see and test it out, fill out that form. And when you fill it out, I'll contact you right away and help create a wonderful program to create your most authentic self.